everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports. And I do it with Joe Favorito, who's been going solo for like the last month, right, Joe? Three I, or four episodes I was, without I was me? really starting to feel alone. <laughs> and then, of course, we had Tom Cerny joined us, and anybody who listened to the Marcellus Wiley podcast heard Tom for about 15 seconds. Okay. So, but oh. it was good. It was nice to have Tom. I will officially go down at his debut feet. as yep, a podcaster. <laughs> so um, we're looking for other Toms, by the way, going forward. And then other Joes will come in as well, too. Yes. Joe Biden's going to do one for us. <laughs> so who do we get? So. Uh, Joe Sixpack, maybe, at yep. some point. Yeah. Get his perspective. Um, but, yeah, so sorry I've missed the last few. It's been a busy stretch business-wise for the day job. Uh, but really happy to be back for today's episode with a – a guest, an industry friend, and a friend who we've been wanting to have on the show for a while, but it's been tricky because this individual lives in Chicago. And we're in New York. Uh, and we're Sorry. in New York, but today he's in New York City. So welcome to New York yes. City, Jay. Thanks. Um, and we're talking about um, a guy named Jay Sharman, who is the founder and CEO of Teamworks Media, which is a content marketing agency. Just kind of a loaded expression now that I say that content sure. marketing agency. You can explain that. What it means to everybody. Uh, but welcome to New York and welcome to Columbia. Thanks for having me, guys. It's yep. awesome to be here. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we're a lot to cover. So Jay's got an illustrious uh, background as a, as a uh, hmm. sports industry guy and and a networker um, and as an entrepreneur. And he'll talk about Teamworks Media. But let's um, let's get to know you a little bit, as we always uh, like to start our shows with a little kind of get to know you segment. Sure. So, what's the Jay Sharman story? Ooh, Sharman story. I'll try to make this one quick. I'm a Rhode Islander. Grew up in Rhode Island, Smithfield, Rhode Island, which is infamously was infamously Ryan known. College. That's right. So, that's Home of the right. Patriots training camp for yeah. many years was our signature. Oh, yeah. Beat Fordham last week. Yeah. Sucks. <laughs> Different story. So went to Northwestern. Uh, studied radio, TV, film out there, and that the was records last week. Geez, barely, yes, that was not so. That pretty. also sucks. But, Did you uh, know you wanted to study broadcast stuff? Like it was no, was, you know, it was that's more, an unusual major for um, for a lot of young people. They don't really know about it, and they don't go to necessarily go to college for it. Yeah, it was. Um, my sister went to Newhouse, okay, um, up at Syracuse, and I was intrigued by it. But I remember being a high school senior and had done all the you know, all the things to get you into the good colleges and the good grades. And I just was really drawn to media. And I was like, you know, mm. at that point I said, I made a theory, which is probably some BS rationalization, which is if you do what you love, you'll probably do pretty well at it. And that was the big leap to, to go against the grain and go and do media. Pretty mature thought for yeah. a 17 or 18 year old. But I mean, I took, I took a lot of crap at Northwestern. I mean, yeah. I can't tell you the amount of times people, pre-med guys being, you know, what are your parents, you know, paying for you to fool around in college and that kind of stuff. Right. So the answer is yes. Yeah, so. I guess, Were you so. drawn to Northwestern because of their reputation with this? And a great football area? team at that time. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not the football team at that time. I, I was drawn, um, I was drawn to it for a number of reasons. One, I, I really liked the location, mm-hmm. like Midwest. I grew up in New England the whole time. And, and the more I looked into it, this is pre-internet, right? I'd never even heard of it. And I, right. I was a sports guy. I was like, wait a minute, Big Ten, counting the Ten teams. Yeah. Wait a minute. And, yeah. oh, they actually are in the Big Ten. And so that was a draw, kind of the big-time athletics, even though they were not good at them. Um, but they had so many opportunities, right? I mean, as a freshman, I was calling a game courtside on the radio station for uh, uh, with the Fab Five at Chrysler Arena, right? Wow. I mean, like, so there was, like, wow. cool opportunities there and was drawn to it. For a whole host of reasons, beautiful campus, new part of the new part of the country, and you know, I told my friends if I'm 25 and I'm not back in the Boston area, come 
get me back. And here I am, 45, three kids, and I'm there. So, wow. All right, cool. So you cut your teeth on production work yep. uh, during your undergraduate years. And afterwards, you went to immediately to Fox? Yeah, I went to, yeah. it was at the Times Sports Channel. Uh, it was owned mm-hmm. by Dolan Cablevision, and then turned to Fox Sportsnet. Right. And I got out of there um, and started the business in the late 90s. I did a documentary film, so I quit my job to do a documentary film on the number one ranked DePaul Blue Demons at the time, the 99-2000 season. So wait, you're just going to gloss over the phrase, I quit my job. Let's go back yeah. to that. Yeah. Obviously, you're a young guy trying to build a career. Sure. What prompted the quitting of the job, which what? is an unusual thing to do at that age? Yeah, I was... Um, I was a I was a television producer, so I was producing features for nightly sports programming. I was doing Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs pregame and postgame shows in the studio, and I knew it's just it's a that's a burnout job for me. Um, and I just there was a promotion coming, and it was one of those if I get it, you'll be sucked deeper in. I'm not gonna be. There was another guy going for it. I'm like, this is gonna be miserable. If I get it, he's gonna be miserable, and if I don't get it, um, you know, then I'm gonna be miserable quite candidly but at the same time I'd always wanted to, I had the itch to do a documentary film this was right when reality TV right. was kind of coming in vogue right. and it hadn't quite hit sports yet and yeah. so it was one like of the Survivor and stuff like that yeah so, right so the sports reality doc was not a thing and I wanted to do that and, and we ended up doing that and while we're I had no money so I, I went into my boss and I said okay here's the deal I'm going to make your job easy you can promote the other guy right but I need you to freelance me three days, a couple days a week, right? Okay. And he's like, sure. Who's and, your boss? Uh, a guy named Dan Lafferty at the time. Uh, Jim Corno yep, was the Jim. guy who ran, yep. The, yep. ran the network. And this is, you know, business lesson 101 I learned. So I get my first freelance paycheck. And I'm you know wondering, what? That was a savvy move. Yeah. That. That well, I, good for you. He went for uh, it. because they Northwestern education. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but I'm not that smart because yeah. then I get my first freelance check. And the take-home net was greater than my actual... <laughs> full-time salary job. I'm working half as much and actually making more money. I was like, well, what do the world I of consulting, Jack. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what an idiot. What's so, FICA? Who's this FICA guy? <laughs> Who's the FICA guy? Yeah. But, so the funny thing is we well, had... you discovered the joy of doing estimated taxes, I guess. Uh, well, and we, we financed this documentary, like two idiots that wow. did with a guy named Kevin Krebs. We put our credit card down and went out and bought cameras and, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll sell it, you know, and, you know, doing side hustle jobs to pay for it. So we we literally went to every road game, and we drove to everyone except for UCLA and Puerto Rico for a couple of So that reasons. was Ray Meyer still or Joey Meyer at that No, it was Pat Kennedy. Pat Kennedy. It was Quentin Richardson and, you know, that Rod whole Strickland? team. No, uh, Bobby Simmons. Bobby Simmons. Stephen Hunter. So I worked with Pat Kennedy at Iona College. There you yeah. go. So, so I had really wanted to become a basketball coach, a college basketball coach, and this was kind of like my side. I'm going to get in and see what mm-hmm. it's like. And about three months in, I'm like, there's no way in hell I want to be a basketball coach. No, no, no. So we did the documentary film, and, and we conceived Teamworks, Teamworks Media on those long drives okay. with my business partner. And the, the general principle of the business back in 1999 turned out to be right. We were just way wrong in the time. <laughs> really? Right? We this, there was no streaming video at no, the time. No, I mean, right. people weren't even willing to put their you know, credit card. Right. Buy something online? I'm not giving my credit card, right? Watch, what's this YouTube thing? Right. Who's going to watch videos Which on the didn't computer? didn't exist in 99, right. Right. So the whole premise that we developed was when I was at Fox, we'd see these projects come in because clients like the Chicago Bulls or DePaul would, didn't know where to go and they needed content done. And so they would call Fox Sportsnet and it would get shuffled down to some production assistant or like, well, there's... Content, just to be clear, for the new world of digital... 
no, at the time, content period. Television like, as well. Chicago Bulls want to create a highlight film for their okay. season ticket holders. So, kind of, so that's an interesting point. It was at a time when leagues and teams were actually exploring opportunities as direct media correctness. Yeah, which was a new concept. Really right? early that, stage you know, stuff. The early stage NFL Network, NBA Network, Yeah, I would say so then it was probably NFL Films, NBA Entertainment. Yep. NHL. Right, but the networks sense. hadn't been and, launched right, yet. Right, And, and the right. digital businesses were yeah. fledgling. Yes. But, right. But so. the production companies were NBA Entertainment and Secaucus. Well, exactly. So, there were the, right. so, so that, they started the production for television yep. primarily and then moved into digital. Yep. Right. And so that was part of it. And we said, people are going to consume content and there's going to be new technology and we want to create a place that's turnkey, one-stop shop for you want content made and disseminated across all these different technology platforms. We're your yeah. guys. I was visionary. And mm-hmm. guess what happened? No one gave a crap. <laughs> <laughs> we became the you know, and and we had some early success. But but you were a visionary. Yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. So, retrospective. so we took a we took a production company, a PR company, and a website design development company and mashed it up into a blender, and that was the business. Part. So was Tom Smithberg with you at that point? Yes. Okay. Yes. So Tom and I knew each other when Tom was the assistant PR guy for the Bulls, oh. and he's Jay's partner. He had the best job of any guy in the 1990s. Because that was Michael Jordan. Yeah, he was the Mm -hmm. gatekeeper to Michael Jordan in the 90s era Bulls. That was his job. He was in charge of media for that. So I was on the other side begging him for Jordan interviews. He went to Northwestern, too. He didn't quite care about that card when I tried to get my Jordan interviews. He'd take a number. That's great. So anyway, so so that that took a lot of nerve to do that. Not Um, really. People say that. I mean, I was making 30 grand at... Fox Sports Net okay. or whatever I was making. I was single, you know. I was bachelor living in Chicago. I mean, it didn't. I, I could go get a job. Yeah, I right. didn't have any mortgage kids or you know things like but that. But still, I mean, about, I, so. as you know, it does. It does take a certain level of uh, energy and ambition chutzpah. and chutzpah to mm. go to go for something on your own yeah. when you have good credentials where you could have gotten any kind of corporate job probably you wanted in the yeah. media. So. I, I call it blissful naivete. <laughs> which, which you have to have as an yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so t- tell us how it evolved. So, you know, the first, I, I think it's a great entrepreneurial lesson. We had some early successes, which made us think that we were onto something and that we knew what we were doing, and we did it all. Like, early success can be a downfall. And by that, I mean ESPN in year one, we became the Midwest Bureau. Like, within 12 months of opening our doors. Wow. Same thing for NBA Entertainment, right? And, Ego starts getting a little, we know what we're doing, look at them. They, all they wanted was content, produce video content for, you know, do live, sh- you know, it was like the This Is Sports Center commercial was our office, because we would do, if you ever saw like those double boxes on Sports Center, it said Chicago, it was in our office. Mm-hmm. So you'd literally walk in and there's Mike Ditka or, you know, Scotty Pippen or Desmond Howard and walking around the office. And so we built these, I call them silos, with all these production clients, all these PR clients, all these web design clients, but none of them cared about the integration. Right. And it wasn't until we did a deal in like 2005 where we finally was with Procter & Gamble and uh, Fox Sports where we did our first true, you know, went out and did these production things on site at college football games and did web sweepstakes and, you know, all that type of stuff. And so it wasn't candidly until about 20. 11, 2012, where I would say integration of content mm-hmm. really started taking hold. Right. We were lucky well, enough. the notion of a content agency, which yeah. is a phrase we weren't using Correct. 15 years ago. Yeah. Right? So, that's so that was, it was an evolution. What was, what was your business model in the beginning and how did that evolve? Were these one off projects you could hire for a production job yeah, and, just, for, and just play the margins? Yeah, it was all work for hire, yeah. project based business. Yeah. And um, 
you know, but there were we, a lot of projects though. Yeah, and we had multi-year deals, and I mean, I think the thing where I'm most proud of is uh, we were the marketing partner for the Big Ten Conference, and have been right. since like 2002. Wow. Okay. Big Ten Network, we've been working with them since the day they launched. Yeah. Chicago Marathon, we've had for since the, we opened the doors. So we have a lot of long-standing like legacy clients, projects, and client, like clients. Can yeah. I ask if retainer based? Some are. Some yeah. are multi-year contracts okay. that just get You're renewed, right? right? Okay. Which, um, frankly, I mean, and, and Tom, you know this too. That's kind of the key if you're going to work on your own. We know a lot of people who say, okay, I'm going to throw myself in one project and it ends and I'm sitting there staring at the walls trying to figure out what I'm going to do next and that's not it's the way It's the number one problem for independent works. operators. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're just not keeping an eye out for yeah. the next float. Thing. Not enough float. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so you want to have those consistent revenue streams, right? right? Yeah, and no, I would call them the, the anchors. You yeah, know, to have a couple of good ones yep. that you can count on and then work on the, uh, on the margin on top of that. And if you can keep that cycle running... You know, suddenly it's 10 years later. Yeah. So we're in. I'd say one of the seminal moments, though, kind of to go to work, uh, was with Mark Silverman, who's now the president of sure. Fox Sports. And he was awesome. He's been great. And I'm forgetting the year. I'm going to let's call it. So he was at the Big Ten. Network he was at the Big Ten time. Network at the time. Uh, and he was there from day one. And we, as part of the contract that the Big Ten Network signed with each of the 14 schools, part of the deal was they have to promote the non athletic side of um, mm-hmm. each of the institutions. Like those commercials you see during... Yeah, but it was national, even deeper than national that. National football yeah. games where they'll say, you know, University of Southern California is a premier research institution, one of those? Yeah, well, more. It was okay. the original vision in the contract was that, um, I forget the hours, but it was something like each school was going to get 60 hours per year to supply program that the Big Ten Network would run. I see. So okay. ballet from Nebraska or whatever you wanted, oh, nanotechnology right. from Michigan, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that was one of the challenges, you know, Mark came to us and said, look, this is, this is a lot of content that's not necessarily a fit for what we're trying to do. And so we started with some TV shows to try to solve um, the problem. And then probably one of the gutsier things that I've done, because they were paying us, we we're making money, it would have been easy to just keep doing what we were doing. And we said, well, are you open to a kind of an out-of-the-box idea? And he's like, sure. And so we created a digital media brand, which still exists today, called Live Big, kind of a play on the B1G. And what we did is instead of – we said instead of doing TV shows that aren't going to get ratings – This week in philosophy went away. Right, right. Yes, exactly. Or the ballet thing didn't work. Yeah, exactly. So what we did is we said, okay, let's take your live telecasts and create – vignettes that run in them Mm -hmm. then digitally let's create original content on a daily basis we'll write articles we'll distribute it on btn.com blah 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 we'll run your social media channels and so we created a digital brand embedded within the network and that was a in retrospect a pretty big break for us because what it did is it gave us a really big head start on digital publishing and content marketing short form video and the cross platform yeah that was a huge deal. And sponsorable things, I would imagine, which they could go back and sell. Yeah, they, it's an asset that they own, and, and it's a really important thing for each of the school presidents because right. now if you watch a Michigan State-Penn State game um, on the Big Ten Network, you're seeing quite a bit of content about things that really matter to those institutions that are being right. seen by millions of people, right? right? So, What would be an example, modern-day example? Oh, God, uh, we've done thousands of stories, so... Uh, let's see. Anything from this football season, for example? Yeah, I just saw the new ones are going up. Uh, some new ones are going up this week. Like I saw Northwestern just developed some new adaptation to the wheelchair, that, that a product that they developed that helps rehabil- rehabilitation. Um, there is some 
cool innovation things going on in farming that are being tra- you know transferred to third world countries by folks at Maryland. I mean, there's a whole host of these. Notice they're how really Rutgers cool hasn't stories. Come up in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rutgers, one of my favorites though, is Rutgers. They have an awesome prof there. Was like this Hawaiian shirt, and he was turning plastics into bridges. He was just mm. like you know, this just randomly cool stories of people making right. the world a better yep. place. And and you have the inside talent at Teamworks. To, yeah. to tackle those kinds of Everything. non-sports projects? Yeah, we find this. St- I mean, Joe, you teach this. Mm-hmm. Like, Storytelling. Storytelling. It's, right. it's the arc of a good story, the beginning of a good story. It's the same fundamentals. Right, right. And, right, look, anything we do at Teamworks, we're not going to be doing. There's the ESPNs and the thousands of bleacher reports of people who cover box scores mm-hmm. and game analysis. We're in the storytelling business, and right. so we're kind of agnostic to... Um, the X's and O's part of it. It's like, how are you going to move people and engage people around a story? How much do you advise your clients on the distribution side? Because arguably, that's the harder part of the equation these days. It is. It's probably the thing that we give ourselves the least credit for, and it's a hard thing, candidly, to monetize. Right. Uh, And we could talk about it. You mean as an agency? As an agency. Unless you become like a media planning service or something. Well, we're pretty good at it. And, And not to toot our own horn it's just because we've been you know like this guy like joe here you know everybody right it's relationship business and yeah, I know about that. you know who, who to call you, you know um yeah. we'll talk about it in a minute but the, that levita baseball company that mm-hmm. we created with yeah, right. the baseball hall of fame for the u.s latino baseball mm-hmm. fan like it's one thing to make it and start producing the content it's another thing to get a partnership with major league baseball and bleacher report right. mm-hmm. and then which we have and we're wor- i'm working on dozens of others mm-hmm. And the world is so fragmented, and there's so many people um, to try to connect. You know, I, I almost I, internally we call it sometimes in some way you work almost like the intel of right. like how can we help other people right. shore up their side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you've got a gap over here. We see on your baseball coverage to this audience. Is so, this so will you modulate your your plan and recommendation on the distribution side based on the sophistication of the partner? So, in other words. If they don't really know what to do, you can kind of step in and yes. take it over for them. Whereas if yeah. you're dealing with a major player who's really good at distribution, you're going to lay off a little. Yeah, or we'll use it as an advantage, right? right? So like yeah. the Big Ten had their own distribution system. Right. There was, okay, there was really no need to go outside of the system. It's right. like work within the ecosystem yeah. that they know. But to your point, most of the new business that we're getting on the um, digital publishing side are I don't want to say unsophisticated. It's just it's not their core business, right? right? And so yeah, to your point, like, okay, yes, we can get you in front of millions of baseball fans or millions of tennis fans or millions of golf fans a month. Do you really care how we do that, right? right. Like some do, some don't, and we'll, you know, we'll tell them what we're doing. But at the end of the day, the sausage making of calling up all the different media partners and talking to them about becoming distribution partners and what the nuances of those deals which get very complex really quickly yeah. we'll, we'll share it with them but that's that's kind of it answers the they do want to know most people would if you're starting any digital media brand well how are people going to consume it how can we ensure that they do it right so, so one of the one of the themes we talk about as, as a framework for discussing media in my class digital media uh, is the uh, owned earned paid yep. model. So, which everybody is kind of a, a variation of they can call different things, but how do you handle that these days? Because arguably now there's never been a better chance to get earned, but it does take a lot of work. It's never been easier to do owned, but it takes some investment and effort. Yeah, um, no, yeah. And, and there's there's a general sense that 
you don't need to spend in terms of paid media as much as you had to in the past. Hmm. It's really, I know that's kind of a multi-layered question, but do you yeah. use that framework when you think about yeah. the new? Like, let's, you can talk about Louis Vita baseball, I guess, at this point. Too, sure, because maybe that's a good use case. Sure, um, you know the ESOP, right? Earn, shared, own, paid, or right. was different people use it. I think it's a really good framework to talk about. Um, the, the conversations we're having right now at Teamworks, I think, the more that the world gets digitally interconnected, and, and I might be generationally biased on what I'm about to say, I'm really working on the human connection, which mm-hmm. sounds counterintuitive, but humans are still making the relationship decisions, mm-hmm. whether it's earned, getting right. somebody to write about you or right. talk about it and show your work that you do, and um, or it's shared, right? right? Just tagging somebody on social media, that's that's kind of like the table stakes. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Build the relationship so that when you have something that you think Mike Greenberg might want to share or Michael Wilbon might want to share or whomever – that you know them well enough. It's the old, it's it's the new form of PR, right. and those were very relationship mm-hmm. heavy businesses. And so, that's the thing I think we've almost, as a industry, become too technological and click the email out and send this out and you know tag it and move on to the next thing. Where I'm really being like, no, we have to each story, each piece of content needs to be treated as its own asset, and this is where it gets complex. Right, so for La Vida Baseball, if we're doing a story on uh, Joey Cora, yeah, Alex Cora, Alex Cora or Yasiel Puig, right? Sure, the, there's the Dodgers, or if, with Alex Cora right now, we're doing a ton with him. There's the Puerto Rican community, right? Who cares about him in Puerto Rico? A lot of people. What about stateside Puerto Rico, right? Uh, what media entities? Red Sox. Like, there's a labyrinth of probably a hundred different people that would be worthy of sharing that content and. And that takes work. That's yeah, reaching out and calling. Yeah. That's that's really. But it's I, also relationship business. And one yes. of the things that Tom and I always talk about is the value of showing up and having those relationships. In meeting with people yep. and phone calls and you know, and you just don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's no magic bullet. But to your point, earned matters absolutely. Right. Sharing matters now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to go back to that in a second. You and I talk about this all the time. I've watched the pendulum swing. Two years ago, it was distributed content model, right. which is a fancy way for saying no one goes to websites, no one goes here. You have to get your content and get it in front of other people. Right. Push it out. Which right. meant, okay, ultimately, that's Facebook and Google and their sub-properties of Instagram mm-hmm. and YouTube. Well, that's all fine and dandy until they're saying now you need to pay, right? <laughs> right. And then Jumps. you pay them and then they move the goalpost every five yards and they're in charge and they – you know, three-second views yeah. count and these BS vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've seen a significant shift since um, January and February when Facebook made their algorithm change of this, and we're doing it too, which is owned. Owned is becoming much more right. valuable. But and I just had this conversation with the head of, uh, I was at lunch with Jordan Heyman, who runs NBC's content studio, NBC Universal's content studio, and like you, he's one of those guys I go to to like, hey, what are you hearing in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. I think the thing that um, I'm seeing where I think it's going is it's no longer about the big vanity metrics. You've got a million Facebook followers or this or that. It's how engaged your audience is. Are they tribal? Will they run through a wall for you? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't we, – we, I like using old school references. It's the golf cha- – we call it the golf channel right. factor. Right. Those golf channel gets – terrible ratings if you look at it in the big picture but guess what the 37,000 people watching are extremely valuable 
you know, CEOs with big pockets, right? So it's not about a CPM or a value of. It's the, about their passion. That's yeah. The, yeah. And and that collective efficiency. Mm-hmm. You could go try to get in front of a million people. You're not going to get thirty-seven thousand of that profile. And so, I think that's that. It, it's in each bucket. We do paid. Mm-hmm. We do shared. We do earned. We're focused on. We're focusing right. on owned. The stat that blew me away, which you probably know, um, a few weeks ago when the Bayern Munich guys, came, our friends, came to visit my class, and we were talking about social media distribution of content was that at this point in Facebook's history, a, a typical organic post, like a uh, you know post that you do proprietarily, only reaches 6%, the average, 6% of your follower base. So if you have a few million fans as they do, mm, it's not really that effective, uh, to your point. So they're effectively making you pay to play to get that reach that mm-hmm. used to be more uh, ex- accessible yeah. a few years ago. Um, so, so that said, do you, when you when you sh- think about that pendulum swinging back to owned, define that now. Like, what does an owned agenda look like for you guys? And by the way, why don't you describe to everybody what Levita Baseball sure, is? Because we haven't done that say, yet. Yeah, so, and, and that's times. the perfect segue into yeah. figuring mm-hmm. out what this is. Okay, so, yeah, sure. So, so back so, up and just describe that first, and then talk about like what what your owned channels would be or your own products. Okay, so Levita Baseball is a U.S. Latino-focused digital media baseball company, right? Lifestyle stories, human interest storytelling on a daily basis. We have a website, multiple articles per day. We do original video. Um, We have our own social channels. We have our own email newsletter. Um, We do all the things that we just talked about. English language. English language. Um, we, We are now doing video in dual language for a bunch of reasons. But, yeah, it's two-thirds of the U.S., Population consumes sports media, Latino, um, in English. So, okay. which is a stat that I, I'm a white guy from Smithfield, Rhode Island. I had to go do all, when I saw the stats. I had to go no. talk to the top people in media. Me like, am I reading this right? No. And why are you right. guys ESPN? Why are you guys doing this in Spanish and mm-hmm. not English? If the, you know, so I had all those conversations. But so it's a company. It's yeah. a joint venture with the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, up in Cooperstown. We just saw there was a huge hole in the market. There was right. no one servicing that content. Um, it was all translated Spanish content, right? right? Like Mike Trout, what he did on ESPN translated into Spanish. Not mm-hmm. the love fest for Alex Cora and what it means for Puerto Rico right now through a Puerto Rican's eyes, right? That that um, sense of ownership. So what I mean by own, to answer your question there. So, f- but, but Before you answer that, um, who had the idea to do this? Uh, our, a guy on my staff actually okay. did. Because okay. he saw that they and had then been you, doing it. So, so you we cold called conceived them. of it. We cold called them. You, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Wow, good for you. Yeah, we cold called them. It's one of the interesting, it's one of my great yeah. stories. It's the old anyone can come up. There's a guy on my staff. Uh, we had, we Was had it a, the guy that I met at that event? What's his name? Uh, Tab. Tab Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had a documentary film on, on a uh, really cool story about a, kind of like the, the Latino game changer in baseball. Um, a guy named Jorge Pasquale. And then we saw that the Baseball Hall of Fame had been trying to do some posts and blogs and started and stopped to this audience. And so we just took a chance to call them and said, you guys trying to connect with this audience? They right. said, yeah. And we said, we've got some ideas for you. Um, and they were, I give Jeff Idelson and his team a lot of credit. They're really open-minded to it. Right. And, and took a leap of faith, and we launched it in March 1 of 2017. That's great. So Did they invest in it, too? 
Yeah, it's a, you know, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, can't go into details, but we're both, um, you know, partners in the actual deal, so, which was important to us because we, they're they're a great base for a lot of different assets. Being out in the field, you know, creating some brand, mutual branding was important to us so that people recognized La Vida was a new brand. Baseball Hall of Fame is a known brand, right? Mm -hmm. So bringing those two together was important to us, so. So is the business model eventually to monetize it through sponsor support or yeah, subscription? That's, it's, you know, again, I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Um, there's about 13 different revenue streams. Range Number one is sponsorship and marketing partnerships, mm-hmm. uh, down to probably the smallest, which would be um, merchandise, mm-hmm. right, and everything in between, licensing of content. We have a uh, Levita Baseball Content Studios. Right. So if you're not interested in sponsoring, we can create content. We do this for Major League Baseball yeah. um, sometimes. Or, you know, the Atlanta Braves engaged us to help on a number of things, whether it's consulting with them on how to connect with the Latino baseball market yeah. or creating content yeah, that seems for them. to be a good idea. Yeah. So there's a whole host of them. I mean, every, almost every digital publisher has the same revenue streams. Events is one right. we're looking at. It's just what's the percentage? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, marketing, it's an ad-supported model. It's a marketing partnership model. Nice. Okay, so back to the owned uh, Yeah, so owned. Properties. I mean, I'd be curious to get your take on this. Um, owned, we look at pretty simply as website. So just for everybody listening, lavitabaseball.com? Lavitabaseball.com. Yeah, okay. uh, everybody can email, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're soliciting... Uh, email addresses yeah, to build a, to news- build a list for email newsletters. Yep, email okay. newsletters, um, and those are the two owned channels. Right. I mean, we don't have an OTT platform. Right. Um, everything else that we have, I mean, we own the actual uh, the assets that we create. But you know, then we're relying on third party partnerships, right, with Major right. Baseball and Bleacher Report and, and some other folks. Um, and we have our own social media channels. We don't consider those owned right. because Facebook's more right. in control of those, right? right? Yes. Um, so it's really website and newsletter are the key okay. drivers of, of the owned relationship, yeah. you know, the direct-to-consumer. No Alexa voice skills yet? Not yet. I'm just kidding. Not yet. I <laughs> know uh, when you hear about these properties, you and I have had this conversation yeah. where some of the big brands like ESPN and WW are now developing products on over 20 platforms. It's... It makes you realize how complicated things it's are. It's really complicated. So you're not there yet, but yeah. hopefully if it keeps growing, yep. You, yep. You'll, you'll get there. Um, so in terms of the, I'm just curious about the uh, mobile versus web, another conversation mm-hmm. we've had, because obviously we're seeing a decline mm-hmm. or a, a, a continuing shift to mobile-first consumption, especially for younger demographics. Yep. Are you seeing the same kinds of things? Yeah. And by the way, what is the demographic for Levita Baseball? You know, it's... Across, it tends to be, you know, 25 to 40, late 40s male dominant. Okay. Uh, depending on the type of content, it can skew one way or the other, but right. that's kind of the, the core. Um, interesting, there's a lot of nuance with the Latino population that's different than other populations, mm-hmm. right? And so it's an, it might be a generalization, but tend to have more respect for history, mm-hmm. um, right? There's, and there's a much more familial connectivity in the Latino community. So like whenever we do Roberto Clemente content, it always does well, mm-hmm. even for the younger generation, which right. is fascinating, right. Right, right? Clemente, it's like we could do Clemente all day long. Right. So um, what was your other question, though? Um, mobile versus... Yeah, the, oh, the mobile share Oh, it's huge. Site, yeah. Huge. Mobile's 90%. And that, so that's just happening through a, a, a mobile website? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we're distributed on Apple News, right? So you t- Touch on some of those partners because it's interesting about it. People always ask about how do you get your content out there. How did Bleacher Report come along? How did the other places come along that, that are distributing your content? Human relationships. Just mm-hmm. old school. Reaching out and seeing Reaching out, emails, no. phone calls. Let's get on a horn and talk, right? Um, you know, this is where... If not for the first 10 years of Teamworks, having done work with MLB Network and ESPNs and the mm-hmm. others, you, that's where you build the relationships and right. people move around. And you know, one of our, uh, Jeff Eisenband, mm-hmm. one of his buddies worked at Bleach Report. He's like, mm-hmm. he connected us. Guest. Yes. Right? So, yeah. yeah. So just, and that's, the, that's the single biggest takeaway. It's I think some people get so caught up in their own idea right. or their own thing. Like you get into the self-talk of like, we are great, right. where it's really... It's not a meritocracy. It's right. like, okay, you have to have a ton of conversations with a lot of people right. to, to thread that needle. Yeah. Yeah. We've probably talked to 100 different media partners. Right. And and you uh, do you find yourself going back to the same well frequently? Like there, there are certain ones that are just more amenable to this kind of a yeah, relationship? Well, I may be giving away, give away, maybe giving names, away a little bit of secret sauce here. But in other words, know, some, from our, my experience, I think Joe probably the same experience, like, there are some media companies that think, like, thanks, but we're good. Like, we don't really need the help. Like, we can take care of this. Yeah. Um, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. I think here, here's an, maybe you, know, you guys weigh in. I think in sports media, there's such an over-concentration of money into the actual live rights. Yes. Mm-hmm. That the supplemental really rights point. around it, they don't have the budget. Yeah. If you're ESPN, you do, right? Okay, you're going to do, but you're going to do a studio show, mm-hmm. right? Which is just talent. Same studio, put the lights on. Okay, we're going to talk about NFL seven days a week. We've invested a lot of money. We're going to have how many shows can we have that support that? The original content, the the stuff that moves you, you know, like right now, Dan Cloris's film, they, everyone, even ESPN, has limited budgets on the original content that supports mm-hmm. those investments. Right. And it's interesting to me because I think those are the things that actually become most shareworthy, right? Those are the emotional. Yeah, and, and arguably that's where you're going to get your differentiation right. in the marketplace yep. to actually change consumer behavior. To say, there's a reason why Netflix and Amazon are doing a lot of original programming. That's the differentiator. Yeah, it's not rerunning old Seinfelds and stuff like that. It's it's the shows they're creating that you can't get anywhere else. So I agree with you. I think that's a really astute point that for the properties, and these are typically the network digital businesses that spend, where, where their, their sister division, like their you know, TV division, has spent so much on rights, they typically are, are not investing much in original digital programming because they have limited budgets. Right. I mean, look Again, at... I, I, I haven't studied that like yeah. financially, but I, that's my suspicion too. Yeah, I mean, looking from the outside in, like ESPN Plus, we were talking about that. Right. You look at the logos they've invested in, in the parent company, right? But... They've got the French Open. What are they doing in January to support that investment from a right. content perspective on ESPN right. Plus? Yeah. Like, you look at the masthead, what are they doing on a year-round? Right. We believe that sports is tribal, and if you're into a whatever entity it is, there is a 365-day-a-year approach and niche, the niche within the niche, as we like to call it, and that's what we're focusing on, right? right. Tons of people doing baseball, no one doing... U.S. English preferred Latino baseball, right. right? Like, what is that niche? I think this is my secret that I'll give out, and, and my partners will probably kill me. But you know, I in twenty, oh, um, one of my owners, a fellow owners of the company, is a CFO. He comes from the investment banking back background. He came into my office 
first six weeks on the job, didn't say a word. And he's a talkative guy. How so long has he been there? Him. Uh, about a decade now. Okay. And at the time, we had all this work for hire business. And he's like, so let me get this straight. You're really known as the sports media guys. You create a lot of linear television product. And they know the budgets better than you do. And if you run everything, but they have editorial control. It was just going down the road yeah. like, and by the way, if you go to anyone not named ESPN, they know that ESPN turned you down, so you have no leverage, and no one else other than ESPN has budgets. <laughs> That's a pretty crappy business model, yeah. right? And I was like, oh my God. You know, I just, yeah. you're, I hadn't thought through it. So I did a roadshow, maybe about soon thereafter, and I went to all of the ESPNs and the PBSs and the Discoveries and people who, Fox Sports, and right. said, hey, look, don't ever call us again to commission work. We can't make money on it. And it was funny. It was like I opened up this right. door to a new guy. They were like, oh, they were bragging about deals of that and the deals that they got because there's just so much supply of content. Right. People wanted it out there. What I did say, though, is I said, look, if I, I want to have the right to be out there. And if I'm talking to somebody, you know us. Can we bring content to you at no cost to you that you'll run? Right? Barter deals is what they call mm -hmm. them. Right? And they were like, no risk, high-quality content, no out-of-pocket call us anytime. And so that's kind of our approach on a lot of our stuff is reaching out to people and they're conditioned to answer the phone before you even say anything. Say, we have no money to spend on content, yeah. right? Like, you can't even, oh, I was calling to ask how your mom's doing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you know. Um, but I think that's part of this is, okay, how can, great, you don't want to spend money, run our content to your audience that we're creating right. and, and help us. share in the revenue. Yeah, that, that a lot generates. of different models. You can share yeah. in the revenue. We could sell it direct. They can sell it and share with us. So there's a lot of those types yeah. of deals. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Well, congratulations on creating a, what sounds like a great business. And, and before we get off that, you have other partnerships, right? Tennis Hall of Fame. Tennis Hall of Fame, Golf Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. yeah, we've, got, we've got quite the bucket list on the... Um, Called Football Hall of Fame we're working with right now. Mm -hmm. So lots of sports museums and so there's a little bit of niche niche in this kind of museum hall of fame thing, huh? Yeah, it's been it's been a nice little um, you know, it's like everything else. It's relation they all know each yeah. other, they hear you're doing good work and right. people start talking to one another and we think museums are a great market to be in because they have such incredible assets. Yeah. Um, and their mindsets tend to be how do we get people through our front door? Right. It's the old business model and as you guys know, it's like, well, how do we take your brand and the assets and put them in the laps of people globally, yeah, yeah. right? Flipping that, which sounds, for maybe people listening to this, common sense, but when you've been doing certain things 60, you know, 70 yeah, no, years. And a lot of old, you know, traditional businesses are, are worried about cannibalization, which I think is crazy yeah. at this point in history. But, yeah. um, I mean, I could see, for example, famous museums around the world just doing, like, amazing subscription-based businesses. Yeah. Uh, I think they, it would be a big success if they did them right. If they do them right, but they're probably many of them are probably scared to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I've always wondered why, broad, you know, Joe and I have talked about this a couple of times throughout our relationship. Why Broadway is not more aggressive with digital variations on? Because you look at who owns Broadway, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So these legacy, they, they still can't believe the Village Voice went out of business two years ago, or that Times Square is cleaned up. Uh. Um, Anyway. Yeah, all right. So we should move into the last segment of our sure. discussion. Um, we like to ask everybody a couple of important questions. First being, how do you keep up? How do you stay smart? What, what are you reading? What are you following? What are you paying attention to on Twitter? This is guy Tom Richardson who has this <laughs> awesome Twitter feed that I follow. Um, uh, I'm a big guy on Twitter, yeah. right? And I, and all kidding aside, you two, I, I, you know, it's 
I, I rabbit hole. Like if yeah. there's somebody, if I see you and I follow you and what you're doing, who are you following? And right. I, I kind of yeah. go down that road. So Twitter's. I my, do that by the way all the time. I say that to the students. Like yeah. I always, for the people that I like, I look at who they follow, yeah. and then I'll kind of vet them. Yeah. And I usually then will add a couple here, a couple there, yeah. or you know whatever. But that's a good little trick yeah. for people yeah. that are especially new to Twitter. For sure. Um, I got a rotation Digiday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is is part of my you morning do the daily email? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do Wall Street Journal CMO email, okay. where they, they kind of do a lot of curation. or just the email? You know, it's a good question. I've had it for so long, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but they... You can share the password later. Yeah, yeah there we just go. Just log on and see if you can still bump you off. They do great curation, <laughs> right? Yeah. So everything you want to know in one place on a from daily basis. From that day's journal? From other sources. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So from they'll, they'll go and they do the curation, okay. which I love, right? Here's what's going on. Adweek, you know, uh, TechCrunch, all that stuff. I thought about that one, the CMO. Yeah, it's at the CMO, the Wall Street Journal CMO email. Okay. That's one of my go-tos. Um, Twitter and then LinkedIn. I love the yeah. LinkedIn news feature because... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Underrated, as I wrote about I know, yeah. Joe wrote a nice piece Just about that last helps week. helps you keep yeah. completely connect with people in your network. Yeah. And it's like if you post something or engage it, I watch what you guys do and... Right. You guys are doing the work for me, so it's great. And it well, funny. I think we're doing the work, and that's one, another point I make often. Yeah. It's like we're doing the work for each other, which yeah, is one right. reason I, right. I, I like people that are more thoughtful uh, with what they do. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Uh, well, no, no, I'm not. Uh, it's a general rule for me because I, I don't want to be. I use it as an information source myself, uh, and a serious one. So I really try to have the discipline. To keep it, as I like to call it, like a high protein feed. Yes. You know, and when I see the sugar, I need to pair sugary back. snacks and the salty snacks coming through, as much as I li- might like mm-hmm. them, it's like in the middle of the day, especially. Yeah. I really try to avoid what I'd call the Twitter clickbait, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm a big list fan on Twitter too. So yeah. when I need my politics fix, I go into my list. Yeah. That saves me probably a bunch of time. Cool. All right. So last question. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of young people who listen to this. People switching jobs. The question, their careers. Yep. What do you tell people who either are on a career switch or looking to get involved in, whether it's a digital space, the media space, the sports, the entertainment space, any any kind of quick advice you always give people? Yeah, think beyond the indemnity, right? So if you're, if you're wanting to go in sports media, for example, you know, everyone – Many people that I meet, I get a lot of career advice conversations like you guys do. Many people have a hard time thinking beyond team, league, sports media entity, right? And I always do this thing where I say follow the money, pick a sport. So if you're a college football fan and you want your dream job would be in sports media around college football, follow the money. Think of an ESPN telecast, go through the first commercial break, right? You've already covered all the things I just talked about, but what you're not thinking about is, okay, Home Depot, mm-hmm. right? You'd never think as a college football fan, should I go work at a brand? Well, right. guess what? There's people at Home Depot that are college football experts because that's their audience. They manage agencies. They're spending many millions right? of dollars. There's right? event marketing. Yeah. Like you start looking at the agency web of who's around a Home Depot mm-hmm. or an Allstate, right? And Pam Holland and those. The, there are a lot of places to go for sports media, more so now than ever, mm-hmm. that are outside the traditional. Mm-hmm. And so just I try to open up the the mind to think about yeah. Things like and it overlaps with other categories in the business. So sports media, sports tech, yep. which is a, tech, big, huge. A, a big category for job growth right now. Uh, the gambling stuff, obviously. Yeah, huge. Yeah, I mean, as I like to say, just, just get on the right trend line. That's yep. the key thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything else in terms of um, – you've done a lot of hiring uh, for teamworks over the mm-hmm. years, I gather. 
Um, what do you like in terms of outreach? Like, how do you like to be approached as a more senior executive who probably is sought after from time to time? What works? Oh, man. I can tell you what doesn't work as much okay, as well, what that's works. Fine. That's even more important probably. Uh, I think the number one pet peeve, and I do this all – my wife and I talk about this, is that in the last 10 years, parents being the lead oh, – I have four of them. Four. I got four oh, emails. Oh, you mean they got the intro through the parents? No, no. I'll get an intro from the parent saying oh, Je- oh. Jenny wants to talk yeah. to you oh, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Four this uh, week. Yeah, I got I'm, I'm so I, 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 I respond and say, have Jenny contact me. Yeah. Here's my information. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and it's amazing how many people. And that just drops. Just or, or the person will come back and then they send me the resume. Right. Right? I'm like, right. no. Yep. Right? So That's so funny. There's certain that. things like, um, to me, it's be different. And, and be value-driven, right? Like, we're all the same. When we're 22, like, you're having a conversation, and the person, when they're approaching you, they're saying things like, they're, they're saying what you think they want to hear, as right. opposed to, um, you and I know Dan Chanoff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So sure. Dan, I'll use Dan Chanoff. Be like Dan Chanoff. Right. Dan Chanoff, there's this little startup called Starwave. Yeah. ESPN.com, right back in I the met day. I with him back in... So, late 90s, he writes a letter to Jeff Reese. And then head of Starwave, right? Dan Hart, head of Starwave, right? Now head of Oath Sports. And it was, here's the issues that I see with your organization. Here's, here's what I would recommend to do them. I'd love to sit down and talk to you about it. Now, that's an extreme. It's pretty right. bold because yeah. you're pointing out. You know, right. But guess, guess what? A week later, I'm coming to Chicago. I need to meet with you. Be mindful of who you're meeting with. And if you're actually, we know you want a job. If you're truly trying to network, like, Play by the rules of networking. If you're truly like, I love your company and I want to work here and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that, come to the table with some thought on how you can help someone's the business. Like, yep. we're all so freaking busy. I don't have time to think about your career, right? I'm happy to network with you and give you some, but there's an element of like, if you want to make a difference, show me what you can do for us. Yeah. That is so really good advice. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that I think we have our versions sure. of too, yeah. which is like, yeah, what do you ha- say? Have a point of view. Like yes. study the business, think about it, and you know put it in the context of that person's challenges, and you don't necessarily have to pull a Dan Shan off, and that doesn't surprise me knowing yeah. Dan. Yeah. And by the way, I admire that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think most people could do that. But at least be prepared to engage. I I was in touch recently with one of our students who had a through through a uh, a, a funny connection got a very senior level person in the in the business to, that they got a coffee with. Um, and he called and asked for my advice, like how should I essentially how should I handle the coffee? And I and I said, look at everything the guy said publicly. He's a very high profile guy. Look, watch the, the conferences he's been in, watch his speeches, look at his quotes, think about the big issues that this company is facing. And you don't necessarily have to lead with it and show off, but when the moment strikes in the yeah. conversation, say, Hey, I saw how at the conference last week, you said this. I think that's really interesting. That relates to something that we were just studying at Columbia. Wh- whatever. Right. Something like a conversational gambit that helps ha- um, helps you get into shop talk faster. Because the more you can do shop talk in an interview, the better off you're going to be. But yeah. you have to be – if you're going to try to talk shop, you've got to be ready to talk yeah. shop, meaning yeah. you need to know the issues uh, yeah. and stuff. Right? Uh, preparedness is, is, has waned. I sound like a grumpy old man, but preparedness is so? like, yeah, significantly. I, I, I flat out ask people – questions about um I'll, I'll sometimes i'll say stuff like so tell me the now that you've known about the company tell me one thing that you think our website doesn't communicate you got a blank stare back 50 percent of the time wow like if you can't wow. take the time to go on our website 
on your iPhone in the elevator on the way up here even? Like, yeah. how are you going to show up? And so yeah. it's they're just That's basic actually a good to your question. homework. And by the way, it's easy to do now because, like you said, as you're going up the elevator, you can <laughs> you could be, go to their LinkedIn page. Well, that's right? what I mean. Just be thoughtful about it. Be thoughtful. Right? Make a and, connection. Um, the one I used to use in the early days of digital when people didn't have digital experience but they were get, trying to get in, uh, I, I would say so, and I still do this when I when I have occasion to interview people or to vet people. Is tell me something going on in the industry that you think is really provocative, mm-hmm. and you can usually know within the first ten seconds or less, maybe five seconds, whether they're actually paying attention. And if they and if they really have nothing to add, or they say, "Gee, you know, um, I remember doing this in the late '90s and people at NHL, and people would mention." Um, Amazon. It's like, well, Amazon launched like six years ago, and at, at back then they were literally just doing commerce, which was mm-hmm. fine. But and then that, and then they tr- and I'd like that's not what I'm talking about. And then I was looking for like Star Wave or something interesting, and I usually would know really quickly yeah. whether they were my cup of tea for what I wanted, which was people that were paying attention. You know, so that's a great one. Yeah, I love that one. Cool. Wow, good stuff. Yep. Uh, well, thank you, Jay oh, Sharman. Wait, more importantly, Jay, tell us where oh, people yeah. can find you. So now that we know Teamworks that you're Twitter Media, Vita Baseball. Uh, sure. Some... Yeah, TeamWorksMedia.com. And then, is then the on website. Twitter, you, and you then, have an account for TeamWorks yeah, on Twitter? We have a TeamWorks Media account, and then I'm underscore what is, Jay what Sharman. What is it on Twitter? Just TeamWorks, TeamWorks Media. Media. Okay, yeah, and then you're underscore, underscore Jay Sharman. Underscore Jay Sharman. S-H-A-R-M-A-N. Nice. And La Vida Baseball is La Vida Baseball on Twitter. Cool. Um, excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. We yeah, I hope you enjoy your time in New York. Yes. Uh, good, continue. Good luck with Teamworks. Thanks, media. guys. You too. Joe, Tom, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Tom. Good to be back. Wrap it up. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. You've been uh, listening to a conversation with Jay Sharman, the CEO and founder of Teamworks Media, content marketing agency. I hope you can, if you ever want to, anybody wants to talk to him, you reach out. He's, he's a very accessible, a really nice yeah. guy. Uh, so feel free, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. You'll listen to the next one when we're back. Thanks. Mm-hmm.